You're listening to Those Movie Dudes Presents Collector's Corner, the podcast show where we do a deep dive into our own physical media collections. In this episode of Collector's Corner, we will be reviewing the Blu-ray release of the 2016 film Arrival from director Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> oh, and then the Variana's like, oh yeah, all my cousins have night terrors. <laughs> no, it was only three of them. It was only three. Still. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Hi, Spencer. Hello. Uh, I have a confession to make. Um, <gasps> a couple of days you... ago, I kind of got a little physical. Um, I haven't done this in a while, but I went out and bought myself a little movie. Oh. Cinema Paradiso. Yeah. The release of this, it is on 4K, so... This movie is in the best resolution possible, and uh, we watched this for the podcast back in probably April or May. Um, you can a go back to like season, ago. I think probably two, and uh, that's where you can find our podcast on Cinema Paradiso. But I, I believe we all gave it a five out of five. I love that uh, movie. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was I just completely incredible. taken by surprise. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. It was just it was relatable in a weird way, just because it followed a young boy and how he grew up with and we movies, movies and stuff. And stuff. So exactly, I was a boy once. Mm-hmm. But this actually comes with the director's cut, and it has so it has <gasps> that three hour edition that apparently oh. I've heard one opinion of that they did not like it. This is it borderline ruins the film. I've heard other opinions that say it's you know it's still pretty it's still good you should check it out so i'd be very curious to watch that but i think i am going to rewatch the theatrical cut the one that we all did watch it's like two hours and six minutes uh and that one's in yeah. 4k so i'm definitely going going to uh watch that pretty soon so i'm pretty excited to dive into the cinema parody so i mean i might not pick it for a collector's corner uh i don't know i might wait a little while because we all just had a podcast on is it. Is that allowed? Considering we've already talked about it on the podcast, I think it just I think no, it just warrants it's, it's some a... time, you know, to like let it, you know, let all us right. marinate a little bit, let us kind of forget the film, so when we revisit it, it's gonna, you know more worth it. But yeah. so with that logic, I could pick up like Kissing Booth two on four K no, and no, we talk about it. No, no I'm just saying. No, no. no. There, I, I guess in that case, no. there's certain <laughs> movies that warrant maybe like a decade to like marinate on, oh, oh, and I then you can you. do like a little that bit. one's more than when that. that's regarded that as one. a cult classic eventually, and like there's a huge following for. Can all you imagine it gets like a Criterion release? Crash. If that movie ever it. gets a Criterion release, I will gladly pay Bull Moose to buy my to take my movies back. Just yeah, no <laughs> go. Hundred fifty year Criterions, Just sell them back. Yeah, no. Nah. But yeah, Spencer bought movies. John, have you bought anything recently? Um, I bought some Dunkin' Donuts this morning. Does that count? No. Well, okay. I guess that's that's the best transition we're gonna get. You guys want to get physical? <laughs> Spencer kind of started us off, but I'm definitely. You guys yeah, really want to get physical? Tried. I'm not trying. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to get physical. Let's get physical. Well, 
Welcome. For those of you who don't know, we're those movie dudes, and this is episode six of Collector's Corner. This is John's week. We got a little bit of mainstream boy pulling out of his Blu-ray collection. Yeah. Hasn't bought anything in a while. What little film uh, did you choose for Collector's Corner? Well, I, I decided to choose something that's not quite so little. Um, it is a film that explores some very grand and personal concepts um, on an astronomical scale. Um, but I chose the Denny Villeneuve film. <laughs> come on, come on. Wow, hey, that was awful. Denny Villeneuve. I was more focused on getting the first name right, and then my mind just, like, buckled for the it. last name. Denny Villeneuve. Right. Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> Very, very cool name, by the way. Um, but I've always liked his films. Every single movie he's come out with, I, for the most part, was like, wow, that's that's amazing. So, um, yeah, it's the 2016 film Arrival. There are days that define your story beyond your life. Like the day they arrived. What might be called first contact. The objects measure at least... I'm Colonel G.T. Webber from the Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. I think me and Spencer went and saw this in theaters, right? 2016? Yeah, we did, because the did hype I, was... Did I go with you guys? No. You didn't. I didn't? No. This is when you didn't want to go see movies with us anymore. But, That's um, not true. We, I just had a lot of it stuff was very, The hype was there. It had like a 96% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Like Everyone was like, yeah, this is going to be like Oscar contention. Huge. It came out, I think, in the late fall or something that year, 2016. Um, uh, November yeah, 11th, Dele, actually. Denis Villeneuve, yeah. So we were all excited. And uh, yeah, Nate and I, we did go and check this out in theaters. And I don't know about you, Nate, because I, I don't quite remember. But I, I remember feeling just a little overwhelmed. It didn't really like click with me. I don't know if I was just exhausted because mm-hmm. I feel like we did see it like super late at night. Oh. So well, I don't we know did go to Hannaford oh. afterward. I do remember that I'm specifically. Sure yeah, because we were like walking through the aisles talking about it. And I think yeah. I kind of had a revelation He's in the that? store. I was like, oh, that made sense. No, different Hannaford. Yeah, um, but I did never revisit yeah. it until now. I, I had never seen it since theaters. So this was I had bought the Blu-ray out during a Black Friday. I think it was like six bucks. Um, so I, I'm glad that I picked that up so I could revisit it. And um yeah, so this was almost like a whole new watch for me. I, I don't remember much, but I just remember at the time understanding it, but that there was like a missing piece that was just kind of dangling there. Because it it's a heavy movie, like the subject matter and how they handle it. And it's not the most fast-paced film mm. of, of Villeneuve's phenog- uh, filmography, but I remember liking it a lot the first time. It was It was... It was such a grand movie, just some of the shots in this one. It seemed really epic in scale, so I really appreciated that about it. Um, but not my not my favorite of his films, but still a good one nonetheless. One of the most unique and probably most realistic portrayal of aliens coming to Earth yeah, compared it, it, to, it, like, it, Mars Attacks and... A bunch Absolutely. of other stuff that we've watched. <laughs> right. I'm too bad that episode never came out, uh, but we did review Mars Attacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Denis, with this film, he he made sure that he didn't dumb it down for the audience. He kept these kind of like grand ideas and this exploration of like language and this kind of confusing topic um, that uh, Louise or Amy Adams characters is supposed to explore throughout the film. And the audience does kind of just have to like sit back and kind of take it all in and figure it all out. So, um, it, it doesn't, 
it, it's not paint by numbers. You you kind of just have to just sit there and enjoy it and try to figure out what the hell's going on, especially by the end of the film. So I think after my first viewing, I didn't really get it. Like come the time of the twist, I was like, whoa, wait, wait a second, like hold on, mm-hmm. what's going on? And then it kind of reveals all those images that you've been seeing throughout the film, and you're like, wait. Oh, okay. well, right. Because now watching <laughs> it on the second time, you can totally understand that Denis Villeneuve and the writers are trying to trick the audience. They're trying to manipulate yes. the audience by thinking that what's happening is like flashbacks in terms of like Louise's character with the child. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, obviously spoilers, it's a flash forward. And that's what yeah. the language is that the aliens are trying to give to them is like to manipulate time time is non-linear like you're going to be able to see like parts of your future in order to change like what's happening currently and that i think just didn't necessarily click with me and that's what i think nate and i obviously were talking about a little while after but watching this on the second time i was blown away and like floored i was like mm-hmm. holy shit this movie is yeah. brilliant and Denis villeneuve once again he has not made a bad film yet like nate and i even went out and saw mm-hmm. his uh uh, black and white film that's very hard to watch called Polytechnique, which is about a school mm. shooting. It's oh, that's a great movie, actually. Hard it's actually really watch, well done. But it's he's a masterclass filmmaker, uh, and he's so good at making slow movies, but yet keeping them compelling, having very interesting characters, and also immaculate cinematography. This is probably one of the most like best shot films i've seen in the last 10 years like i don't know how this didn't win best cinematography it got a nomination but bradford young he is phenomenal like i, I want him f- filming more movies but like I, he's only yeah. did the solo movie movie after this um i mean well it's not from the dark moments but <laughs> like the lead-up shot where you see in montana or wherever it is you see that grand shot of the first ship that you see that they're going to they there's a specific shot where they hold on amy adams right before it and you see her just kind of looking around in the helicopter and then you see her get her eyes on it Mm -hmm. and you just it, it doesn't cut right to the thing immediately it lets you see her take it in like she's looking she's looking and then oh god oh that's what is on the news and whatnot and the lead up to it her walking into the classroom and having everyone's phones go off like that's kind of terrifying you you don't know what's going on and you just she's leaving and you see all the kids huddled around that tv if you didn't know anything going into it you're just like that's compelling enough right there because you're like what are they seeing what what's going on and then it uh prevails with that opening shot where it's just the fog rolling in it's a beautiful movie like that and blade runner 2049 are like two of the films in the last decade that stand out as far as visuals and mixed with a phenomenal score as well by johan johansson who Mm -hmm. uh, passed away i think in 2016 his score in this is so good like i actually was listening to this on spotify uh last couple of days just because it's so like atmospheric and it puts you in the mood this movie wants you to be in. It's one of those movies where, like, you have all of the right technical aspects just working so well together. And, like, that's why I think this movie was so overlooked for me when I first saw it. Because now watching it again, like, I'm seeing so much that I missed. I was, was going like, to say, in terms of the score, and did you guys watch any of the special features to go along with this? Or? Yeah. I watched, I watched like, one. a tra- I watched the original trailer and, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff, okay. but not a whole lot. I watched every single thing on the Blu-ray. And when it came to the score, this guy, Johan Johan, I'm sorry, Johan Johan Johansson. Johansson. Yeah. 
Johan Johansson. Yeah, prisoners. Um, really, Ugh. really fascinating work because he, he tried to weave in the overall kind of non-linear timeline of the story itself into the music. So you notice that it kind of weaves in and weaves back into the same sound throughout. So it, it in the way that he did it is he used pianos and kind of this like, I don't even know, I've never seen people do it before, but this sort of like ribbon thing and he would record it with the piano riffs to make it just be fully non-linear it was super yeah, weird but it's it genius just, and when you listen to it it totally works you'll understand what i'm trying to say <laughs> well yeah and two scenes um, that i yeah. think uh highlight mm-hmm. that very well and complement it is the very beginning montage which basically is right there that tricks the audience in thinking that this is going to be like it's happened in the past so that's how like we yeah. move forward mm-hmm. it's really the future um, and that montage scene is brilliant it's just the beginning of the film it hooks you immediately it's like okay i'm in uh, and then in the midpoint, because obviously it's just a lot of them just going up uh, to the spaceship, doing the tests, coming back down, trying to figure it out and decode it. There's like a little montage where they have like, I don't know, a couple months pass and it's just mixed a with a like, documentary. The, yeah. It's way. like the voiceover and like the score. It's just, it's so well done. I love that part. Yeah, right. I, I feel like some people could look at that sort of documentary exposition part where they're trying to explain what's going on as like, okay, this is sort of dumbing it down. But the film really did need it because it's it's so they don't tell you a lot in the beginning because they're starting out with like the small words and they're not learning a lot from the aliens. So I kind of really, really like that part where Jeremy Renner is able to kind of just shine and be like, this is what's going on. And that that part really just gets you into the second half of the movie where you're just like, okay, they've learned so much. And this is this is so insane and such like a scientific achievement that they're discovering with these guys. And the thing that kind of stinks about his character was he was so overshadowed, I think, by Amy Adams. This was just her movie. Yeah. She just the way she was able to communicate with these creatures and you could just see the empathy that she felt she was really trying to understand. She did a really good job when she was talking about having to figure out little structures of sentences Forrest Whitaker's like what's with all these baby words this is all grammar school stuff and she's like well before you can ask it a question you have to figure out if they know what a question is and the way she broke that all down I was like wow that really makes sense because if, if they don't understand the difference between you as in you a individual or you as in a race right yeah, that's gonna it's gonna flip flop whatever the words mean, and when you eventually get the are are, are we doing the spoiler thing? Like, are we good? I mean, there's oh, no 100%. way not to spoil this. Okay, yeah. Yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, so when they do the whole like China gets use weapon, um, but then when Amy Adams talks to him, it's uh, give weapon or we need help. I thought that was an awesome little revelation. You just figure out, oh god, they're here because they need us. <laughs> Right, and just exactly. the way they explained it, like, what was it? We save humankind, and then 3,000 years later, oh, yeah, we need down. humans' uh, help. We help humanity. And it's so cool. We help humanity. In 3,000 years, we need humanity help. And then weapon That's opens so time. cool. Like, that is what yeah. the mm-hmm. weapon is. I thought that was fascinating. Weapon the is language the word itself. that gets misconstrued, and it technically means something else. So, in a mm-hmm. way, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a miscommunication. It means almost like gift or something it just it's well, a gift and that's, that's why I use, love, use this to help us that's why i love <laughs> that aspect of having 12 of them land in different nations and having other nations trying to decode on their end 
And then having that scene with like they like basically cut all communications and China was like, no, we're gonna go fucking war with them. Like, fuck these guys. And like they got Russia in on that. It's like, oh my god, this is so realistic to what would probably realistically happen. <laughs> like, shit. Oh, yeah. well, it is. And so I love that aspect that they included in this movie because that also made it so much more compelling because it, it brings to that question. It's like, what is their purpose? Why are they there? And like, you just want Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner to figure it out. <laughs> like, you want yeah. to be able to know. And once. They do that scene where it's revealed, like when the aliens kind of take her up and just talk to her basically That's one cool. on one, which was a really fascinating mm-hmm. sequence. The one thing I want to know is what was the Chinese general's wife's last words? Because that was really cool. Like, figure that out. Be- because for a lot of people, I think they would go into it and they would think, oh, what is this? Like, how is this all tying in? Which I think I got lost in the first time I watched it, figuring out how china figured it out to like not attack and you see the stuff from the future and then you see her getting the phone and actually playing it all out and i thought it was really interesting you just see her talking like in mandarin and then they have guns at her and she's like no we're good we're good those freaking creatures that's terrifying just these giant heptapods it was, no, a, thanks. it was a very I'm cool good. and unique design and, and mm-hmm. how they were able to communicate with like kind of like the squid, like the ink that would just come out and form like that circle. Ugh. It was fascinating. And I, I love that this movie didn't go to like the sci-fi scary invaders from Mars aspect that route uh, it almost did towards mm-hmm. the end, but it, it didn't. And I really respect that it very much remained grounded and just it's that more... is a thing that uh denis wanted to do on pretty much every aspect of the film from the production design to the sound design to you know the design of the ships the design of the aliens itself he wanted to make it look like unlike anything humans could aspire to create so like when we think of spaceships we think of something that's like metallic or something that just like has a propulsion system or something like that and these things have no carbon footprint they're made of this sort of rock that we've never seen before it could be otherworldly and with the aliens they're not really human-like aside from they kind of have a head and shoulders in a way um yeah but that was a thing that he went out of his way to do is like i want this to be so mysterious and just different from any other sci-fi film and that's what makes it so grounded it makes sort of us as humans feel so small and just not superior or inferior mm-hmm. to these people who we just we're just look at the, up at them and we're just like oh my god no wonder that the military saw them as such a threat when they're first revealed it's actually kind of terrifying in like a deep Purposely. way because you, you just <laughs> yeah. it's that wide shot of them walking up towards the glass in that deep music the sound is this ominous sound and then you just hear and they just kind of fade in through the smoke and i'm like they actually used uh oh god camels (laughs) (laughs) like like uh synthesized camel noises and uh some other birds from new zealand to make these noises but like the reverb phenomenal but that scene (laughs) when they enter the spacecraft is brilliant like they go up in that scissor lift and then all of a sudden gravity is different and then just mm-hmm. they use a, a zolly where it, like it like it zooms uh, it zooms in as yes. the, the camera is being like pulled away. It's it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, mixed with the sound design, it's brilliant. Those suits that the characters were wearing, I kept on thinking they looked like mm-hmm. Amanas characters, just like with the very <laughs> yeah, massive back and the hood. I'm like, oh my god, it's Amanas! Like, did they 
that like oh, kind of mimic the design a little bit. Who knows? But it's, those uh, aliens are being a little sus. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, exactly. I was like, very oh. sus, <laughs> very sus, especially for Forrest Whitaker's character. When it came to the messages of this movie, I think I think it it has a lot of philosophical questions as to like how we as humanity would react to a certain situation like this. Whereas we have the military who is like, we need to destroy this before they destroy us. And then there's people who are like Amy Adams character who are like, all right, no, let's communicate with them and take our time and figure out what it is they really want. I just think this movie had such an intelligent way of going about those different themes. Basically like what they wanted to tell us is, Hey, communicate, talk to each other, figure this out before making any rash decisions because we need your fucking help in the future so don't screw this up we need you to understand our language so you can help us in the future it's it's so brilliant exactly it's so cool and it's uh, amazing it it was it was cool how each of the ink blots had individual segments that they like separated through a computer algorithm and it gave you all of the things that it might mean so like when it does the one for like weapon it's like gift offer friend it's showing all these different things weapon and friend it, like it could be either you know what i mean it's like oh, yeah Jesus. and it makes me wonder why those 12 locations like it makes me wonder did they go there because they knew amy adams could figure this out yes is that why they went so close to her it yes just be, like oh they like, knew this person was yeah this person can help us because they they kept on saying it like two or three times like scientists have like yet to figure out like the specific reason on why the 12 locations so i mean they said that a few times so yeah that that theory does make sense that where do you think uh, they would land if it happened now uh, do you think there would be one near us like i know john's on the on the (laughs) whoa okay yeah, John oh, uh, is the, uh, the linguist for sure. Yeah, he has him on his last show. Nice <laughs> shout out. Hey, um, I'm going to go into Walmart, get some Sour Patch Kids and some uh, Mountain Dew, three ice cubes, no more, no less. I've been doing research about this movie for the last six hours. Like, I, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's one of those movies that can so, make you go yeah. down that hole. Yeah. And it had, and that's why, it, that's why it's first of all my favorite movie of 2016, I think, 2016. And just the concept of this explores i love sci-fi and it goes into detail with amy adams character about the big personal question in this movie which is what would you do if you knew the future how no, do you react to would that? you would you still choose love even if you knew that it was going to end in heartbreak and when you see it all connect and the little hints where she's like oh if you want if it's a science question go ask your father like that was a hint to me the second time around, it made me remember, like, oh, I kind of remember how this plays out. How she talked about, I, I told your father something that he wasn't ready to hear. Um, it was about this sickness. And I'm sitting there going, the sickness? And then when it relates to the daughter, I went, oh, okay. So it was there in plain sight, but we just kind of had to really there's, dive into it. There's little points where they, they point at and, and slowly reveal, like, hey, these are images of the future like toward the end mm-hmm. where she hugs jeremy renner and she's like man i forgot how good this felt but it's the first yeah. time she's ever hugged him so it's just it's so brilliant brilliantly edited as well this editor uh, yeah. john walker i believe is you know uh, one of the best in the industry when it came to this movie having to create this non-linear cylindrical timeline around this film from start to finish and one of the first things i noticed was that opening shot of kind of the uh like it's it's like a living room the living room facing a patio mm-hmm. or something 
and it's not the final shot of the film, but after you after they depart, it goes back to it that matches. again, and it's and it, it's, cra- again, it's crazy that this only one best sound editing. I mean, very well deserved, but on the yeah. other like seven nominations that it had, I mean, eight in total, it deserved. I think some more. This was. They got um, all the technical stuff, but fantastic. no acting. I th- yeah, did it get yeah. directing? I think. Yeah, it did. So yeah, didn't even did get a nomination. Yeah. Screenplay, cinematography. Yeah, all the technical aspects. Um, but it, it's just one of those movies that hooks you from that opening like narrative monologue where she goes, I used to think that this was the start of your story. The day that they came, the day that they arrived, or something—that's chilling because you yeah. don't see anything yet. You don't know anything. You just know Amy Adams is going to her job, and everyone's phones start going off. And when they go, "Can you turn the TV to a news channel?" You see her face kind of go from really to wait. There might be something wrong, and it then would, you see it. It reminded Holy me of crap. Like, what probably nine eleven was like for. You know, oh, probably who were old enough who were like, oh, uh, we need to hold everything and turn the TV on and see what's happening. Even on the news, there's like a live section where they're like, oh, I'm just getting getting news or an update that these are all over the world. It's like, yeah, yeah. And imagine how you would react. And on the news, like, like uh, they were saying like a White House <laughs> statement that they were like, oh, yeah, the government has protocols for situations like this. And they actually do. I'm sure they do. Of course they do. And then yeah. the fact that like, they have they to even like then this came out four years ago but just like the fact that the society just started looting going fucking nuts and just that's exactly what would happen it's just like oh my god this is so realistic to what would happen if these objects came and landed on earth like this is literally yeah. what like, our society is so based off different values and different religions and stuff if these things landed on our planet it would be like a call sign to so many religions that this is like the apocalypse or it's something like this so they they have that that part where there's like a mass suicide up in Wisconsin or something on the news as well. Mm-hmm. So, sure. yeah, just the imagine imagine the amount of chaos. Oh, it'd be nuts. You see how it'd you see nuts. how quick people turn. Like when they find out that China might be attacking, yeah. you see the military guys get a bomb basically ready mm-hmm. secretly, and they take it to the ship, and you see them pull out the guns, and it's like Those Jeremy Renner and uh, Amy Adams were still in there. So it's like, what the hell is going on? And when that whole explosion happened, we're in the military, but we're going to completely disregard our duty to like is, save uh, ourselves. And it's frightening. And there was that one that shot, one too, the... now that it happened, that uh, it happened kind of in the beginning of the movie. It was like that taller soldier uh, was sitting at his, in his bunk and he's just listening to the news in the background. And it's just like some like Alex Jones conspiracy theory is just ranting on him. <laughs> That's like, what I was trying to think of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just yeah. going crazy yeah, yeah. about how like we need to attack and get the like weapons ready. Blah, blah, blah. So like all I that mean, kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And then the guy was like listening to it. Kind of like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, so seriously. That kind of that. So the movie has so many details and it pays attention to it. It covers all sides of how different people would react given the situation. When Amy Adams goes up in that pod by herself and she's in with them, I was kind of scared because I was like, these yeah. things are massive and you can't see them. But then, what, uh, Abbott comes close to her and she's like, where's Costello? And they just say, Costello is death. Oh, God. Um, 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And they had that one scene too when Amy Adams is like uh, talking with Jeremy Renner after taking a nap, and Jeremy Renner's like, "Are you dreaming in their language?" And she's like, "No, that's crazy." And she like looks to the wall, and the creature's just right there, and just like slowly like. Oh my god! That, yeah, that like enemy, like, oh, enemy, god. dude. And exactly that, that was about to say that was like yeah. a little homage to Denis Villeneuve's previous film, Enemy, Absolutely. with the spider. Yep. <laughs> it's like, ah, why does he do that? Why does he put big, large creatures in corners and like have them for like, a split second beyond the screen? Fucking horrible. And they're almost like close-ups and that's the thing it's like not necessarily a close-up but it's so big it takes up 90 percent of the frame sure, so it's yeah. like and it's a quick cut so then you see it and you're like why is it so close to me and like perspective it is and i almost did i almost did my little <laughs> when that happened but uh i can imagine no, what my that, dad would have done I, in the theater grab my leg or something uh, where does this stand up compared to other denis films like you've got incendies polytechnique Prisoners, Blade Runner 2049. So after uh, watching... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. After watching... Sicario, sorry. <laughs> after watching Arrival, I kind of realized that I have really only seen all of his movies like once in theaters and never really revisited. Like that was same with Arrival before I did this. And that's the same goes with Sicario. Same goes with Prisoners. Uh, same goes with Enemy. Mm. I have not rewatched any of those movies since theaters. I love them in theaters. Um, I've seen bits and pieces, of course, and seen like scenes throughout the years. So I'd be very curious to revisit his filmography again and see uh, where it stands. But as of now, it's a it's a close tie between this and Prisoners. But I am going to go Arrival. I think this movie asks some more interesting questions. I will say <laughs> that I think when it comes to his films. There's a reason why you watch them in theaters and you just went away with the idea of like, wow, that was amazing. Um, he creates a really, really good theater experience with just the overall all encompassing the music, the cinematography, the story, the characters. Everything is just so well done with his films. So I'm not surprised. But for me, it's this movie is, is by far the best. I think it, it, it really just it explores some really fascinating human concepts and then also like very con like personal concepts as well like with a with amy adams character so i just mm -hmm. it's i love his other films i wasn't as big a fan of blade runner 2049 i need to rewatch re both blade it. runner films yeah. both of them I'm with um you. so that's that's my own fault i know it's a really good movie but this one prisoners enemy sicario i need to rewatch. i haven't seen incendies and the other one you mentioned haven't seen it so can i i'm gonna can i request to use your line real quick nate Yes, yeah, so I'm going to charge you interest. Okay, you can send me the bill. Uh, Venmo is uh, Jonathan uh, last name. Okay, cool. Uh, cool. Yeah, you guys ready to get physical? All right, I'll get physical for all of us. But uh, <laughs> Thank you. The, Thank you. This film <laughs> does have some social features, not a lot, but mainly kind of a 30-minute documentary that sort of just goes into detail about Denny on set, why he kind of made the certain creative decisions he did, the choices with actors and, and whatnot. But it does talk about the initial writer of the short story called A Story in Time, I think. Hmm. Is it? Uh, I'm sorry, Story of Your Life, which this guy basically, his name is uh, Ted Chang. Uh, it was published back in 1998. He wanted to make a story that was about a woman or a character that knew the future and how that character would react after knowing what was going to happen. He explored doing, like, maybe this person took a drug or this person did something else, but eventually decided to settle on 
aliens and linguistics and language because he thought that was most interesting. Like you said, a little bit of an afterthought, but because they were so mysterious, it yep. worked. Because even though you're following Amy Adams and her research and everything, and she's dealing with the visions and whatnot in her head, and then you have to go in there and try and teach these beings that will never learn everything about and try and teach them or learn what they know in such a short period of time. It's like Forrest Whitaker is like telling her, come on, we need, we need to do this. We need to figure out why they're here. And it's like, dude, that's like going to like one of the islands, like off the coast of Africa where that's un it's inhabited, but by like tribes that tribes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like going there and being like, Hey, uh, what is this? Before? And giving them a car. Yeah. And just being like, <laughs> yeah, what is this? Dude, They're I not going to have a clue. Like you're not going to do it overnight. Jesus Forrest Whitaker is such a, a snob. On those, that, like those uncontacted tribes. That'd be sick to talk about. One of the things that I really enjoyed, uh, learning on the behind the scenes thing was that Denis Villeneuve was interested in the project, but would not do it if Amy Adams said no. Uh, I, I thought that was awesome. Ooh, that he just good. was like, nope, Amy Adams is like the lead I want for this film. She can carry. And he hadn't worked with her before, right? He didn't. He hadn't worked with her, no. Mm -hmm. uh, he so hadn't. I wonder why he was like, Amy Adams, like, why not? I mean, just like, look at the Emma body Stone, of work that she uh... has had. I mean, she is one of the best actresses working today. Uh, she's got six Oscar nominations and no wins. I mean, she's going to win at some point. <sighs> yeah. Uh, she's one of she's the best premium actresses tier actress. ever. Another tidbit that I liked about the behind-the-scenes thing as well is how they were able to secure the rights for uh, from the author of uh, The Story of Your Life by basically sending him a DVD copy of Incendies. Saw that movie, was like, wow, Loved this it. director is different. This isn't going to be some, like, Mars Attacks movie. This is going to be something that's going to be emotional and true to the tone of my short story. So, yeah, I will absolutely grant you the, the rights to go and do this. Those documentaries are very fun if you want to kind of see what it's like to be on set it's it's very true and it's it, it's cool to see that everyone has such good things to say about Denis Villeneuve because he makes such very vicious brutal movies but apparently mm -hmm. in person he's a very lovable guy he's open to collaboration if like if the prop master has an idea I don't know if it goes that deep but apparently he's open to like ideas and he just wants to make sure everyone is on the same page operating at the best that they can be uh, and so when you have leadership that well at the highest uh, on set like that's everyone will match it it's really cool to see that be true with him like because he's everyone in Hollywood should follow his example yeah like he like the way he just is able to work with people and make it easy. We need more directors like that that are willing to listen to everybody and not be like egotistical or and it's good to be driven for your own like if you have a story and you want to tell it, it's good to have that drive. But being open to options, listening to people, it just builds the camaraderie and I think would make that movie so much better anyway. Yeah, exactly. just having someone like that who cares enough to do that. So he he just knows how to make a freaking fantastic film, and he's done it on multiple occasions. And this is just easily my my favorite one. I do love Prisoners, but just because this film is, I'm gonna go ahead and go into overall thoughts if you guys want. Just because this film is just so all encompassing, and it, it just explores some really fascinating concepts on a grand scale 
on a small human level with some really good characters. I love how it explores language, which is something you've never really looked into in sci-fi or really many films as a as a whole and in, in, in terms of any genre. It, there's nothing that explores language and linguistics in this way, and it just adds so many mysterious elements to it, from the design of the, the ship, to the aliens, to the, the language itself, which has such a really cool visual representation. I would get a tattoo of this. If I were to pick like a, like cool. a phrase or something that meant something to me, I've seen people with uh, the tattoo of i don't know what which one it was maybe it was like human or life or death or love or something. i've thought about that that, that, that would be cool would, to get good. like a combination it's all, it's all of words or something rival tattoo those movie I'm down 100 on our back i've never back wanted tattoo. a tattoo but i will do it if we all do it. wouldn't that be sick dude? <laughs> or if, I, I or if we simple. each got like a word that was like it represented us kind of thing those like, cool. like just yeah, look at exactly a unique arrival dylan tattoo to you right? um it's so good i've seen it probably five times now and every time i wow. just i get more invested and more impressed by all the little things that he puts into this film it's it's fantastic i might even consider putting this in like my top 10 of all time i was gonna ask um, is it up there for yeah you? top 10 if not top five i think it's it's incredible so hmm. five out of five easy easy okay. five out of five for me Spencer, do you follow let, in his I'll enthusiasm? Go, I'll let you go first. But I asked you to go. Okay, oh. fair enough. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I completely agree. I think when I first watched the movie, I was probably somewhere with like a four out of five. I, I definitely liked it, but I didn't understand it. I'm so glad that I watched it again because it was like a whole new movie watching experience. It's very cathartic watching this movie again. I, I, I absolutely loved it. It was I had one of those moments that I kind of rarely have where it's like, oh man, I've missed watching a movie that's so in-depth like this and so intellectual and just also mixed with such amazing technical aspects, cinematography, score, directing, acting. It's just one of those movies that I think is it's beautiful. I, I absolutely love it. I'm going to get the 4K, 100%. I wouldn't go top 10 for me, but it's a conversation to be my top 100. But yeah, 5 out of 5. I absolutely loved awesome. watching this again. Damn, I guess I should have went That's why I was like, before you. you. <laughs> but it's all right. Well, it's okay. I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah, Sorry. but mine's not quite a 5 out of 5 for me. There were still some points in the movie where I was just kind of waiting for the pace to pick up a little bit. But it's still four and a half out of five for me. If it's still up there is one of my favorites of his. Um, I still love Prisoners. But this one, watching it the second time and seeing that it's less about the arrival of these creatures and more about how humanity can either come together or fall apart in the most dire situations, which... I can really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I the, really yeah, love was... watch this one. It, it was a very last minute decision, just filing through my Blu-rays. I'm, I'm sure. happy I rewatched it. I needed yes. to. Yeah, <laughs> I bought it. Same. It was. It was. Yeah. It was worth. It was worth revisiting and being able to appreciate it years past and just kind of grow that appreciation more and more for it. So thank you, John. That was, that was a very oh. good, solid choice for episode six. Thank you. Undercover. Uh, don't don't take that. Don't take that to heart because I'm about to tear it in half with my pick for episode seven. Episode seven. What is this? We're starting the third cycle. Yeah. The third cycle of films. And movies, boys. My third one. I, I know I need to break this trend at some point, but I have a big Criterion collection collection. Um, so I I did a little jump into this one and. The one I picked is bizarre. This one 
this one's nuts. Um, it is, I'm just going to make sure I get the year right here, the 1977 Japanese horror film by Nobuhiko Obayashi. It's called House. I and just in, at the beginning of the movie, they go, House. I just remember you telling me ridiculous it, things about what? it. Something about a girl being turned into a piano. I'm just down to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. Um, less I'm less probably... turning into more getting eaten by. Sure. But we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll <laughs> figure it out. I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but house. I can't wait to watch it. It's bizarre, and I'm just excited for a good laugh for episode seven because there will be points where you guys are going to be scratching your head, like, "Am I going to hate this movie? Fuck, is he I making us watch right now? Am I going to hate this movie? I'm going to say yes. You're going to think it's because you're going to think it's stupid. I've loved it so far. Every collector's corner, I'm like, wow. I'm so glad. It's, Paris, Texas, especially, was like amazing. Have some drinks when you watch this. God damn it. Well, that's all. Have a couple. Th- it's, that does it for. I appreciate your unorthodox choices. I genuinely. Hey, you know, you know, they they sit on the shelf. You watch them. We got to appreciate them. And it's 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 weird, but in a weird way, you, I can't take my eyes off it. I'll just say that you're going to be so thrown off, but we'll get into it next week when we get super physical with Criterion Collection Blu-ray of House for episode seven. But uh, do you guys have fun for this episode? This was a good movie to talk about. Arrival was it was fun. I wrote five pages of notes and watched like four hours of content today. So, uh, yeah, I, I had a good time. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. That was episode six of Criteria. No, not Criteria. Oh, that was an old idea. That was an old oh, idea. Man. Never mind. Broke the fourth wall. Um, Collector's Corner, episode six with Arrival. Appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys had fun. And we'll tune back in. Oh, yeah. We do shows. There's a couple yeah, other shows. There's more than. Uh, well, there's at least one. We do so, have a, those Spencer. Go ahead. Main show where we talk about three oh, yeah. critically acclaimed films that we have never seen before, voted on by our Instagram followers, which you can obviously do in our Instagram stories at those movie dudes. But we just had a poll over the past weekend. Some new winners. You can go and check out what those movies are. But I'm going to tell you right now, anyways. It is the man who wasn't there. Whatever happened to Baby Jane and Underwater? Who can who picked that film? You can guess. Mainstream boy. John. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like so out of left. You like you see the other two films and you're just like and Kristen Stewart and a weird underwater. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, for Hopefully sure. It's not terrible. Well, I've oh, already yeah. been and spoiled. And we have another show. So. Uh, speaking of mainstream boy, I am mainstream. Oh, I was boy, hoping you'd forget. There's another show called Mainstream Boys where me and Spencer sometimes Nate twice out of the last uh, 27 episodes. Um, Spoiler. Pick the new release films of the week. And uh, we watch them and we talk about them on Zoom. Get a big bucket of popcorn, ice cold cherry, coke, some snow caps, sit down and relax, take your pants off and watch Bill Thorne movies. Um, but yeah. Thank you guys for listening to episode six. Feel free to check us out. Instagram, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah. That's uh, Collector's Corner, episode six. Thank you guys for listening. I don't. I, I just, I, I just like, All right. I see you later, but we're going to come back. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Intro, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Peter.